Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. You're on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarice Montero for the workday afternoon. Much has been said about the benefits of exercise. However, according to recent studies, athletes engaged in long term intense endurance training, for example, marathon runners, cyclists, competitive rowers, are five times more likely to develop AF than non athletes due to enhanced vagal tone and an increased risk of developing atrial hypertrophy. But what does it all mean? And do these injuries also affect hobby runners? We speak with Dr. Reginald Liu, a senior consultant, cardiologist at the Harley Street Heart and Vascular Center at Glen Eagles, to find out more on Health Suites coming up next on Money FM 89.3. Health Suites with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Health Suites on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero on the phone. With me, I'm joined by Dr. Reginald Liu, a senior consultant cardiologist at the Harley Street Heart and Vascular Center at Glen Eagles. We find out all about arterial fibrillation. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you, Clarissa. Pleasure to be on. It is a pleasure to have you. Uh, Perhaps you can start us off by explaining what atrial fibrillation or AF is. Sure, thank you. Yes, atrial fibrillation is is actually the most common heart rhythm problem that affects humans. As many as 5% of people over 65 years of age or 10% above the age of 80 have atrial fibrillation. Essentially, it sounds like a, a mouthful, but all it means is the heart rhythm is a bit irregular, often too fast, sometimes too slow. And often patients who get AF, they, they get palpitations or feel the heart beat erratically. Are there different types? Yes, there are different types. Um, it's actually quite a complex and um, varied condition. Some people get AF that comes and goes intermittently. Others, as the condition progresses, may, may get AF all the time. Uh, sometimes if the heart's too slow, people black out. Other times it's too fast, so they feel very uncomfortable palpitations. But lots of different causes and, and consequently lots of different types and different presentations of the condition. I'm going to assume that it isn't uh, necessarily a portent of a heart attack, but could it be mistaken for one? Yes, uh, some people may mistake it for a heart attack because the, the symptoms may come on suddenly. Someone may be just resting, watching television or doing gentle walk, and suddenly the heart goes very fast and patients may feel very uncomfortable or even have chest discomfort. So, so although it's, not, it's a different type of heart condition from a heart attack, symptoms may include chest pain or, or dizziness. But on the other hand, patients who develop a heart attack may also develop atrial fibrillation. So there's a sort of interesting correlation between the two conditions. Right, Okay. What are the most common risk factors if you develop AF? Yeah, so that's a good question. High blood pressure is is, is one of the important risk factors, as is um, previous history of heart disease, like previous heart attack or heart failure. So I grouped the risk factors into the heart-type conditions, like those two that I've mentioned, and also the non-cardiac risk factors that I think a lot of people may may have but not realize that it increases the risk of AF. So those include things like um, thyroid disease. People may have history of thyroid problem or uh, a problem called sleep apnea, where people may snore excessively at night. That actually puts pressure on the heart and the blood vessels and can increase the risk of developing AF. And some people also, unfortunately, obesity or lack of exercise, um, these lifestyle issues can also increase risk of developing AF. 
So on both sides of the spectrum, then, if you don't do enough exercise, if you're quite sedentary, if you're obese, you could develop AF. But we're also talking about elite athletes or serious athletes developing AF as well. Yes, absolutely. So that, that's the interesting conundrum of the uh, relationship between exercise and AF. You know, although doctors constantly ask patients to exercise and lose weight and keep fit, the other end of the spectrum is that if one does too much exercise, particularly the endurance or elite athletes, there's increasing evidence now that that puts excessive stress and strain on the heart muscle, particularly the atria. And over many months or years, that can increase the size of the atria and increase risk of developing AF. So ironically, both ends of the spectrum can actually develop AF. All right. So for the average listener like myself, I would imagine I'm neither completely sedentary or an elite athlete. So the rest of us sit somewhere in between those two extremes. How likely are we to develop AF? For the, the, the average person who does a recreational exercise a week, which you know, the general recommendation is up to about 150 minutes a week of exercise, 150, so maybe five times 30-minute sessions of light exercise or running or swimming. Uh, and if one keeps themselves fit, uh, and tries to avoid developing any other cardiac problems, then, then the risk of development AF really is a factor of, of age. Above the age of 65, as, as I mentioned earlier, you, there's a 5% increased risk of having AF, even if one is fit and doesn't have any other heart problems. But if one develops any problems like high blood pressure or diabetes, that risk can increase significantly. So I think the, the key is to try to keep one as fit as possible to prevent uh, or lower the risk of developing these other cardiovascular risk factors, but also moderate amount of exercise per week is, is a good thing. And you said the magic number is 150 minutes a week, was yes, it? Yes, yeah. that's the recommendation of moderate exercise. If, if people are starting out for the first time and haven't exercised for a long time, then I would suggest build up gradually to that level. But in terms of health and wellness and being good for your cardiovascular system, that sort of number is, is, is the, the right level to do. All right, we're speaking with Dr. Reginald Liu, a senior consultant cardiologist at the Harley Street Heart and Vascular Center at Glen Eagles. Exercise is a funny thing. We start off by maybe doing 15 minutes every other day. And, you know, as we feel fitter, we, we do more. We go for higher intensity exercises. We're still hobbyists, mind you. None of us are. I'm not talking about elite athletes still. But, you know, as you progress you become more serious a 2.5 kilometer run becomes a half marathon you you aim to want to someday do marathons are these hobbies serious hobbies at risk yes so there's definitely a trade-off you know, on, the, on the one hand it is good to exercise and one enjoys exercise and the more you do the more general well-being you have from the adrenaline surge when you exercise and, and the well-being you feel afterwards but unfortunately, I, I, I do see a fair number of um, patients with atrial fibrillation and other heart rhythm conditions who, they may not be endurance ex athletes, but they're, they're doing more than the usual recommended amount. So patients may, may have trained for the odd marathon here and there, um, but may run 10 kilometers you know, three or four times a week. Over time, they can develop atrial fibrillation. And it, it, it's, it's difficult for them to accept because often these people are very fit and well and think that they're doing the right thing by exercising as much as they can. 
but uh, they are still at higher risk. So it's, it's not just the endurance athletes that, that are known to be at higher risk of atrial arrhythmias, but it could be those that do more than the usual amount. And it's a matter of time that will tell. It doesn't happen immediately, but over many years, the, the changes, the subtle changes in the heart can lead to these arrhythmias developing. Is this something that uh, a younger person might encounter? Yes, sometimes I see this in, in younger people, um, you know, in, in their teens or early 20s. Often they may have a different type of heart rhythm problem as well. Atrial fibrillation tends to occur a bit later, but I have seen it in younger people. But on the other hand, sometimes the, the, the initial damage or the structural changes may have developed several decades ago, and over only in their 50s or 60s do people then develop AF from, from maybe excessive training when they're in their 20s or 30s. So, so we see that group as well. So I'm, I'm wondering now, AF sounds like you said it is a rhythmic thing with, yeah. within the heart, which is slightly different or it is different from a heart attack. Yes. So what at that point are the health risks of AF in the long term? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, certainly with AF, the main reason why we as, as doctors and cardiologists are concerned about the problem and are, are very keen to pick up the condition if someone has palpitations is that it increases the risk of blood clots forming in the heart when the heart is fibrillating or not beating um, properly. Mm -hmm. And these blood clots, if they develop, can break off and go to the brain or other parts of the body and develop a stroke or, or blood clot elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So potentially, it's actually very dangerous, particularly in older people. Fortunately, the risk of blood clot and stroke is, is much lower in, in younger people below the age of, of 65. But above the age of 65, statistically, we know that the risk of blood clots is much higher. And, and, and then we often need to start blood thinning medicine if people have AF. All right. I am actually quite familiar or became familiar recently with the concept of blood clots and how absolutely dangerous yeah. they are because I, I lost uh, a former boss in the last few weeks to a pulmonary embolism. That's, yeah, you know, and, but I would never have thought, and I think the average person would never think that a, a blood clot would happen to us, mm. let alone it being life-threateningly serious. Yeah. Is that something that you see with your patients? You know, oh, I have AF, I'll, I'll take the medications and, and I should be good to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you're right. People who are otherwise fit and well and have never been told they have heart problems, it often doesn't across, cross our minds to think we may potentially develop a severe life-threatening problem. But unfortunately, it only takes one blood clot to form and that blood clot to go to the brain to cause a stroke. And then suddenly, you know, you've, you've, you've changed from being a normal, healthy individual to someone who's had a stroke over within the space of a few minutes. So the change can be quite sudden. It can be hard to predict when that might happen, but fortunately, we also know the profile of the patients that are more risk, at risk of developing blood clots and stroke. And the modern medicine and, and lots of studies around the world have shown that these higher risk patients do benefit from blood thinning medicine. So I think the important message is to, if one is at higher risk, to be assessed properly by the doctor and to be risk stratified so that one decides whether or not they would benefit from medicine. But yeah, most people, if you ask a, a normal person who has AF and you tell them about the risk of stroke, a lot of people don't quite uh, understand it un until they, they see the visual or they look at the evidence that, that really pushes the severity of the condition upon them. So it just doesn't, con the, the dots just don't connect for us? 
Yes, that's right. Yeah, because it's hard for it's a bit like high blood pressure. You, you can tell someone they have high blood pressure, but often they, they may not have symptoms, and they may, they may not realise the dangers of the condition until unfortunately something happens. But the important thing is that if it is picked up and uh, the patient is uh, advised uh, sensibly um, about the risks, um, they, the serious problems can be mitigated. All right. You mentioned blood thinning uh, medication. Is that the only treatment for AF? Uh, so there are a number of different treatments. Blood thinning medicine is, is important for those at higher risk of blood clots, just below that side of their things. But to actually treat the AF itself, to treat the arrhythmia, uh, one can either use special uh, medicine that stabilizes the heart rhythm called antiarrhythmic medicine, or in some people who may be suitable for a keyhole-type surgery, we can sometimes treat the heart by, by uh, looking and at the small electrical signals that cause the AF and trying to to get rid of those signals to, to treat the AF. So that, that's something called catheter ablation, which is actually very successful in the right individuals and avoids the need for long-term medicine. All right. When you talk about long-term medicine, I think one of the things that a lot of us are concerned about, maybe don't even really want to go down that road on, is once you start a medication, you're on it for the rest of your life. Would that be the case with AF? Yes, unfortunately that is the case. If, if say that you've been definitely diagnosed with AF and the, the doctors um, decided that you're at higher risk and you have lots of increase in symptoms, then the condition unfortunately doesn't go away. In fact, it, it may get worse as one gets older. Mm-hmm. So usually we do recommend long-term medicine if that's the decided treatment option and uh, long-term blood thinning medicine because the, the, the risk of AF will just increase over time. However, if, if one can catch it early, so Particularly, that's, that's why it's good that the discussion of the uh, younger athletes is, is, is relevant. Mm-hmm. If one catches it early and treats the problem early and, and arrests the progression of AF, then one can actually um, avoid the AF, if AF coming back. And if the, say, catheter ablation procedure is successful, um, these individuals don't necessarily need long-term medicine if you can catch it early and treat it early. All right. Now, this is my favorite question for just about any medical condition. <laughs> Prevention. Talk to us about prevention. Yeah, very important question because, you know, obviously the most important thing is to try to avoid getting it in the first place. Right. And with such a heterogeneous um, group of uh, issues that can lead to AF, I would say the most important things to consider are, are the lifestyle issues that one can change themselves to lower the risk of AF. So that would include reducing alcohol intake trying to keep yourself fit and reduce your weight. So sleep apnea being one of the risk factors is more common in people who are overweight. So if you can reduce your weight, you can reduce risk of developing sleep apnea and therefore risk of developing AF. Uh, And AF sometimes is triggered in some people by excessive caffeine intake. So I would still reduce one's caffeine or, or coffee intake per day to under two cups a day if one is drinking excessively more than that because that, that's one of the stimulants for AF. And, of course, regular checkup because things like high blood pressure, diabetes, other conditions can also increase the risk of AF. So if, if whatever gets these conditions, if you can treat them early, you can also reduce the risk of developing AF. I can't remember the last time I had two cups of coffee a day or just had two <laughs> cups of coffee a day. <laughs> it's been a long time, doctor. Okay. So you could start today uh, <laughs> or tomorrow. Uh, probably not. Uh, us, us in media, I think we're, we're driven on uh, caffeine, by caffeine. Oh, dear. <laughs> All right. So any parting advice for someone, you know, who is 
that three, four time a week hobbyist athlete mm. who does have a couple of bad habits, maybe a little too much coffee mm. uh, in their diet, what's the first thing they should be rethinking if they want to avoid AF? Yeah. Well, I think the, the most important thing is to have a well, other than the lifestyle changes that we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to, to have, have regular checkup, particularly men above the age of 50 and women above the age of 55, because AF is still very strongly linked with age, even if you're fit and healthy and run regularly. Fortunately, as we get older, there is a higher risk of developing AF. And some people don't feel AF, don't feel the palpitation. So having a checkup, like checking your blood pressure, heart rate, and ECG may be an initial first step. But also, uh, if one ever develops symptoms, um, to have that checked up as well. Because some people pass off palpitations as being just benign and not, not an issue. Um, but in fact, it may be something more significant. So if you're concerned, if, something, if you feel something's different to your usual routine, um, it's worth having that checked up as well. The, the, the worst thing is people develop AF. They don't realize it's AF. And that progresses and, and increases risk of a stroke. Um, by then, we, we don't want to reach that stage. It's better to have it checked up early and have it treated. All right. We've been speaking with Dr. Reginald Liu, a senior consultant cardiologist at the Harley Street Heart and Vascular Center at Glen Eagles. Dr. Liu, thank you very much for the time. Thank you very much, Clarissa. I'm Clarissa Montero on Money FM. This has been Health Suites. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.